This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And I hope you leave each episode feeling encouraged, supported, and I hope you feel a big hug from me and my guests. Today, I'm talking with Cara Forney. Cara is the founder of The Bump Dot com, which I'm sure many of you have heard of that and utilized it. She is also the former CEO at The Bump, and that site is now owned by The Knot, and Kara actually talks to us all about that experience, what it was like creating something and then handing it over and working for The Knot in the process as well. She is the mother of two, and she is the author of the new book, Boy Moms, collective tales of mothers and sons. And in this heartwarming collection, it demonstrates what society has long told us to expect when it comes to being a boy mom. The reality is often quite opposite our expectations. And more often than not, it's an adventure filled with exquisite moments of insight and joy we could never have anticipated. And uh, in this book, Kara collects stories from women all over the country and world. And no experience is exactly like the other. And that's one of the biggest things with parenting that you find when, especially when you have multiple kids, you start learning like, oh, every kid is so different and there's no one right way to do any of this. So I also always feel like I am being super supported when I get to talk to moms that are a few steps ahead of me and Kara's two boys have graduated and are out of the house now and she just makes me feel like okay i'm doing okay i'm doing this all okay and i think you'll feel that from her as well all right let me tell you about this sponsor for the podcast i am so excited about it's punk post stop what you're doing and go send a beautiful card to someone you love okay punk post sends beautifully handwritten cards mailed by artists for you who has a birthday coming up who do you know that would love to receive a personal card from you tomorrow. Doesn't it feel so good to get snail mail? Customers place orders via the Punk Post, iOS, or online platform in the amount of time it takes to send a text. From there, they have over 100 US-based handwriting artists getting to work to turn a typed message into a custom handwritten design on the card of your choosing. It's in the mail within 24 hours. And I think everybody listening should think of one person to send a card to today. Cards make everybody's day. I actually just sent one today. It's a belated birthday card to my niece and I used Punk Post. For more info or to start sending love today, visit punkpost.com. Follow Punk Post on Instagram, Punk Post Co. Or download the app on iOS. You all can use the code Lindsay3, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-3 three, that's the number three, to get $3 off your first order. Go support this awesome business and send someone a little love today. Punkpost.com. Use the code Lindsay3. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with Kara. All right. 
Today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Cara Aquilana Forney on the show. Welcome to the show, Cara. Thank you. So glad to be here. And I love the title of your show, by the way. <laughs> I, I think I've said that many, many times over my last years of motherhood. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's like what parent has not said, why is everyone yelling? My sister came up with the title and... I was also, it was also in a time where I felt like everybody in the world was yelling too. And I was like, this is perfect uh, for motherhood perfect. and the world right now. Everybody's exactly. yelling. Yes. Including me. Yes. All of us. <laughs> well, that's the everybody. thing. I'm yelling as much as my kids and right. I'm on a mission to try to stop yelling so much. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yep. I'm a yeller too. So that was always something I was trying to overcome. For yeah. Sure. I tell people too, though, I, cause sometimes I listen to podcasts on parenting where they're like really giving you like step-by-step advice and that's not what this is. <laughs> like yeah. sometimes I have experts on that will help on specific topics, but like I lay it all out there, like this imperfect way that our life looks, you know? Yes. And that's, you know, that's exactly my, that was my philosophy behind this book. So that's amazing you say that, Lindsay, because I didn't, I didn't want to write something where I felt like I was saying, this is how to raise boys, right? This yeah. is the way you do it by any means. Like my my point was really opposite is that there's a zillion ways and you know, they don't want to hear it from me. I want I want you guys to hear it from the voices of moms all over doing it. So anyway, I I that resonates with me very much. So I think that's great. And we're going to talk about that Cars book Boy Moms a collective tale of mothers and sons. You're the mom of two boys yourself. How old are your kids now? Well, so now they're they're 22 and 19, so they're big. Yeah, <laughs> they're big kids. Um, and yeah, this was really a, a an idea and dream of mine since they were little. Um, and I just felt like there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue around the boy mom kind of experience. And when there started to be dialogue a few years in, or you know maybe five years ago or so, it was, it started with kind of this hashtag boy mom moniker and culture that then started to become to me very exclusive, you know, a little aggressive, not, and not very welcoming to everybody who doesn't have this kind of stereotypical Mm. boy in their life, you know, and, and the reality for me was my my fellow boy moms, my peers, they weren't having that stereotypical experience. So I wasn't sure, you know, who was having this very stereotypical experience with boys. And and even beyond that, my I really want to, if you are having, you know, a very traditional trucks and dirt and, you know, whatever, I wanted to get underneath that because there's so much more to that story. And we're giving, you know, I think we've, we're doing our boys a disservice, you know, when we're not talking about those underlying stories and, you know, people now there's some awesome work out there. I saw Dave Thomas on your, on your show. I watched that. I listened to that show. I love him. So, you know, there's starting to be this new dialogue, I think around, you know, the emotional life of boys and how important that is. And, um, but really when I was raising my, my boys, there wasn't a lot of that. And I also, again, like I said, I didn't want this to be something where it's me being kind of pedantic about what I did to raise my boys. I wanted it to be a very diverse uh, set of voices talking about them raising their boys, whether it's 
you know, these we've got moms of all ages of kids in here. So it's from pregnancy and newborn all the way to grown and flown like mine. So um, I I love how it turned out. The the essays, you know, are fantastic. It's really more than I even kind of thought it would be. So um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I love that you brought up the David Thomas episode, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Yes. It's such a generational thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of my dad because he'll say things to my boys even that I'm like, oh, we don't mm-hmm. say that. Like, don't say don't cry like a little girl. Like, don't say yes. stuff like that. Like, we don't talk like that. But I also just think boys aside, talking about our emotions and like speaking as things are happening, like, okay, I see that yes. you're feeling like that. That's like such a now way to process so things which is great Absolutely. like I don't yes as a girl I don't remember talking about my emotions with my mom no but I do remember not with my mom but I do remember you know getting it out with my friends certainly sure. and, you know what I mean I mean I think as again my book is all about not being not stereotyping but I, I think there's more outlets for girls for sure and women and and expectations that they're going to get their feelings out at some point but but a lot of times the expectation is still even in today's world which is nuts you know that boys are not going to do that or don't need to do that you know and that's why I think like people like Dave Thomas and and um, other authors of of kind of, you know, books around the psychology of boys are, are just doing such an amazing service because it's touching into that. And I also think, you know, we grew up in a very different time. You know, I think we grew up in a time um, that these kids can't even imagine. Yeah. And, and what they're dealing with in their childhood is very different from what we dealt with, you know, even what was in the news or what we were able to see when we were young. So I think there's so many more things hitting them at a you know emotional level that that they they need to talk about to stay healthy and and not build up anger and you know resentment and all those different types of things. So um, I I do see the, a a really wonderful shift and and I love like just I just wanted to kind of be a part of that yeah and and put it out there. Um, yeah, two thoughts when you were saying that one in that talking about our kids growing up in a different world. I mean, they have so many more outlets to numb. Yes. Those emotions, their phones, the social media, um, just constant access to being connected. Being connected without live people in front of you. Yeah. Right. Like that's to me, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. They have all these different, they have access to so much that doesn't require human interaction. And that, that is where I think what gets lost for this generation and why we probably have to focus much more on intentionally getting down to those emotions, right? And, and, and understanding what they're going through and helping them to work through those things. Because I think what society puts in front of them gives them an automatic numbing cream, Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's so temporary. It's like I'm lonely or I'm angry or I'm sad. Yes. I'm going to get this temporary fix that isn't real connection, but feels like a little bit of connection. And so it never fully heals you. It, right. It doesn't fill the hole. It, you know, it, it may put a little bridge over it, but it doesn't fill the hole. And so that's the, you know, for me, when, you know, politics aside, but when we're deciding on who's on the Supreme Court, that's too late. You know what I'm saying? These these boys right. have to be, you know, we've got to get to it early 
um, it's too late when we're trying to teach them when they're already in, you know, power positions or doing things, right? It's, it's got to start so early. And um, it's, so a really intentional, you know, effort to, to look at. And as you said, it's, it's boys and girls. And I just, obviously my experience is boys. So that's, that's, that's where this comes from, of course. But, um, you know, it, even, I just noticed even in raising my boys now, you know, there are still those elements where, like you said, generationally, um, but if you think about it, then, you know, our boys are the, the next generation of spouses and coworkers and partners and employees and managers and, you know, uh, co-parenting and, you know, all of that. So it's like, what's the work we have to do now to make sure that they're healthy at that point to, to you know, create a world that we want, help create a world that we want. In some ways, it feels like a big responsibility to mother that. Yes. In a lot of ways. <laughs> In a lot of ways. And and I I have always felt that. I think that's something I, I always tried to, I had to try and work on because I did feel this huge responsibility. Like my, I have to raise, you know, kind, empathetic, just amazing men so that they can help support women and be wonderful people, you know, all, yes. and, but it is true. And I, that is what I found um, universally by doing this book is that that is a common, common, common feeling and common thread throughout these essays. It's like, there is a feeling of responsibility on these mothers on, uh, you know, to, to do the right thing by our boys um, to see what we don't like and don't want. And, and to take a, a much more proactive role in helping develop their kind of psyche around what what is a lot more, um, it's a lot healthier. Yeah. You know, I as my boys get older, I kind of think back to when I was a teenager and like what my experience with my first boyfriend was and how like fragile my little heart was, you know, yes. and how I can communicate to them like how important treating whoever it is your first person you date is right with respect and you know looking back the two boyfriends I had were from broken homes and I don't know just like maybe they weren't taught super well but I had a lot of heartbreak and I was treated really bad and mm. I think about that a lot as my boys mm -hmm. get older like how heartbreaking would it be if my kid treated a girl like that. Right. Right. Such yeah. a young, young woman. I didn't know anything, you know, I didn't know any, and I didn't know any better. Right. Well, and I think it's, it, it's those types of things where, you know, you do kind of realize the importance, your importance in their lives, right? When that modeling and showing them the right way to treat a, a significant other um, from a very young age and, you know, I think it's, a, it's a responsibility, but it's also, you know, you could, I, I would flip that and be like, okay, it's a privilege, right? Mm. It's a huge responsibility, but it's also, I have this privilege mm. of, of showing them, you know, what, what it means to be a good, you know, first boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, whatever it is, it's something that you get to do and you get to mold and shape and help and assist and all of that. So, but I agree with you. You know, I think that I think about that too all the time. And, and I remember the boyfriends that I did have that were great mm. 
had great moms. Yeah. Like I really, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Had just really great engaged, you know, moms. And so that's always stuck with me too. Yeah. I think that's why I stuck with my husband. I was like, whoa, people treat you get treated like this? Like you can treat someone with this much respect and... Exactly. Yeah. So the other thing I was thinking about when you you mentioned your book and said like this is something you'd wanted to do since your boys were young. Um, I think about this kind of stuff a lot because we get big ideas in our heads and it's a lot with little kids, right? And But you yeah. also like don't want to put things off. So I'm curious about like what you did with those thoughts and those, you know, ideas over the years and what it feels like to finally publish this like dream that you've had for a while. Yeah, it's, you know, it's great. I mean, again, I'm in a very different stage of life with my boys than you are. So, um, you know, they're, they're in college. And so, but when I had young kids, I had a whole nother dream that I started, which was the bump, the bump.com. And so that I started that when they were very little and that, you know, took up most of my, my creative energy. And so that's kind of why this, I waited so long to do this. You know, I had kind of other things on the front burner, if you will. And, and I think when you've got young kids, it's such a, it's so all consuming. And, um, you know, I, I always, when I talk to, founders and and people and founders that I consult with and coach I always tell them you know you can't you can't feel bad because that's taking over the majority of your life right now and you're and you're not doing the things you think you would be doing you know when you were getting your MBA or when you were doing this and that right you cannot feel bad about that you have to do what is organically you know, working for your family. And if you have, if, if that is able to start a business, great, start a business along with what you're doing. But if that starts, you know, creating havoc on your home life, your mental health or whatever, find something else. When I, so when I was finished with the bump, I sold it to the knot and I, I stayed on with them for three years to run it and to help um, integrate it into the knot. And we, I made a conscious choice when I did that, that until my kids went to college, I wasn't going to start a business again. Mm. I was going to do the th do things I love, but do it so that I can be home with them when they come home from school. I can be selective in what I choose. So I went into just you know consulting and and but owning my own calendar, right? And um and so I had to do that because that was one being just true to myself, but it was also kind of I, I made that promise to my kids because you know I was traveling a lot. The, the knot was in New York. I'm in Arizona. You know, I was it's a big back travel and forth. Day. It's big travel. Um, so, you know, so I spent, you know, the last eight years or so, um, you know, there were, there was opportunities where I could have done something a lot different and started something new, but I just, I knew that, that, that I wouldn't be able to handle that, you know, the way I wanted to handle it. So I guess my advice is to, you know, weigh everything and, and, try to do what fits organically into your family and your other responsibilities and, um, you know, not have this pressure that you have to create something amazing right now. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, my kids are in college now. So it's like the world's my oyster. <laughs> like <laughs> unbelievable. I'm like, wow, you know, now I have all this amazing, you know, capacity to do a lot of the things that um, I didn't want to do you know, while they were running around as, you know, tweens, preteens, teenagers. So 
your life is, is ever evolving. And just because you're not doing it right now, doesn't mean you're not going to do it when it makes more sense in your world from a, you know, timing standpoint. Yeah. And I, you know, I think about this, like being physically here, um, with my kids, like when they were littler, it was almost more so for selfish reasons. Like I don't want to miss out on all those things. Yes. But as they get older and, you know, I look at videos and pictures now and, and get weepy and my youngest is still four. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, as they get older and they're doing sports and they're doing all these things, I'm like, my physical presence is way more felt by them. Yes. And like socially as well, you know, just like physically being able to stand in the kitchen when they get home from school and even exactly. if it's those short conversations, you know, and yes, I, I feel like we don't think about it like that. We think, oh, my kids are bigger now. They can like do their own thing. But it's like, oh, no, this is when I really want to be, you know, Andrea Davis is someone who's been on this podcast. Um, she runs the site Better Screen Time. And she was like, just be a plant. Just like mm. physically be there. And mm-hmm. as your kids get older, like they are going to fly away. They're going to go. Mm-hmm. But like if you can just be a plant and they know you're there, yes, they feel it. Yeah, I love that analogy. That's great. Just be a plant. I agree 100%. And I think, you know, my I had a great – my first job out of college was IBM. I was a sales rep for IBM. And I remember the one of my mentors there, you know, who was maybe 20 years older than me, and she said, it gets harder to work – in a, in a nine to five job, which, you know, it's never nine to five, um, as they get older. And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? I think it'd like, be easier. It's going to be easier when they're older because they can get themselves dressed and, or, you know, whatever it is. Right. But, but I found that absolutely a hundred percent, absolutely true because, you know, they need, they need you there. And again, like you said, they may not verbalize it, but they feel the absence, you know, they feel that absence. So, um, and that's not to make any anyone feel guilty if they're not able to be there by any means. But it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a realization that as your kids get older, even though they're pulling away from you, they they absolutely still want you there um, as yeah. much as you can be. And when you say that, yeah, not to make anybody feel, but I think that can just look different for different people's schedules, exactly. right? Like, you know, exactly. your time, your time being present is just like different than my time being present. Like I might not be here for five hours on a Saturday when you're home for five hours on a Saturday kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you just have to define what that is. Like for me with, with the bump and the knot, I decided I couldn't, I couldn't keep being away week, a week at a time. Yeah. Right. Like that was time. too much. Um, and miss a week out of their lives, you know, or, or sometimes even more. And, and so I had to switch it up and that doesn't mean I didn't travel. I absolutely traveled for consulting. I, I travel all the time, but it's different, you know, and I have more control over, well, I'm only going to stay one night instead of five, Yeah, gonna, you know, things like that. So yeah, you, you, you figure it out, you figure it out for how it works for your family and for your, your, your own peace of mind too. Yeah. And your spouse's presence is equally you know, you share that, you share that yes. weight. Yeah. If you can, which is great. If you can. And I was fortunate my, you know, when my spouse, when I was traveling, my spouse wasn't so much in his job. And then when I decided not to, you know, to do something a little more closer to home, his work started traveling more. Mm. So we kind of, it was, you know, it was a nice trade off. And I know not everybody has that, but 
you just make it work with with who you have and you you just have to do a lot of strategizing i think all right friends fall is my favorite time of year and i am so excited that the weather is finally cooling down here it can also be really busy with all the holidays coming up and i have something that is going to make your life a little bit easier it's called prep dish When you use PrepDish, you don't have to think about what you're gonna cook day to day. You get your list of ingredients, your list of your recipes for the whole week, and you prep on Sunday or whatever day of the week is your prep day, and things are chopped and ready to go for the whole week, and you don't have to think at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, what am I gonna make for dinner? It has never been easier in my house than when I use PrepDish. They have a lot of flexibility with their meals as well. They have gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super fast, which takes just one hour of prep time. You know you're going to have healthy meals waiting amidst the chaos. If you have been thinking about trying prep dish, first of all, let me just tell you about some of their delicious menu items. Singapore noodles, turkey taco soup, chicken and artichoke, spezzatino curry chickpea and kale stuffed sweet potatoes, slow cooker chicken, tortilla soup, maple glazed salmon with cranberry pecan, wild rice, so many amazing recipes that you don't even have to think about. You don't have to look up. Allison, the founder, provides it all for you in a very organized way, an organized shopping list, an organized recipe, and this is the perfect time to try out prep dish. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial totally free. Check out prepdish.com slash Lindsay. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for this amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for your first two weeks, totally free. Let me know how you like it. Prepdish.com slash Lindsay. All right, back to the show. Um, we skated right over the fact that you're the founder of thebump.com, which <laughs> I am certain everybody listening who has had a baby has probably been on that <laughs> website. Like, that's a really big deal. I, can you just tell us, like, how you even started it? Like, did it start with a blog? No, that's so funny. Everybody asked me that. It didn't start with a blog. I'm not a blogger. I wish I was. Um but no, it started, it's very, it's very, um, it's not super exciting. It's the, <laughs> the very usual, you know, I was, a, I was a mom. Actually, it started when I was pregnant with my first son and I was working crazy hours and I just, in my head, I was like, well, I don't have time to kind of research everything, but I know there's, I know there's something out there because when I got married, there was a whole guide to getting married in Phoenix, Arizona, or getting married, you know, weddings, LA, right there. So the original business model for it was something like that. So it was a guide to your local pregnancy and new mom resources, right? So when we started, we started in Phoenix, and we did our, our first, the bump Phoenix, and then we, we just expanded to all these different cities and then created more of a national presence, et cetera. But so back to the origin story, I, I just couldn't believe there wasn't something there. So after I had my first son, I was like, I didn't know, what is a doula? I didn't know what that was, you know, I, and I'm like, I could have done that. And here's access to like baby nurses. Could I have had one for a night and given me sleep or, you know, and what is this product? You know, when you're not a mom, you, 
it's, it's like a whole, it's a foreign country, mm-hmm. you know, it's a foreign country. So I thought this is ridiculous. You know, we're, we need something like this out there. There was, you know, there was baby center. I remember at the time, but it was a lot more clinical, you know, mm-hmm. and medically focused as opposed to like lifestyle and fun stuff. And so I went on maternity leave. I wrote out a business plan. Um, and, but I didn't, I started working on it little by little and kind of chipping away at it again, like during naps, during this, during that. um, and got pregnant again. And then I said, well, if, if it's not out there, you know, now, then I'm going to absolutely do it. If I don't see anything like it out mm. there, didn't see anything like it out there. So I kind of said, okay, that's it now. So I didn't go back to work after my maternity leave with my second and kind of just threw myself into into the bump and like I said started started with just locally Phoenix and then each year we just kind of doubled in our major you know media outlets what we called them we went out you know LA New York and Detroit all these different places and then four years into it is when the knot kind of said hmm we kind of we like what you're doing you know um and I'm like, well, that's funny because I modeled this whole thing after the knot. <laughs> I used to describe it as it's like the knot for for pregnant women, yeah. right? The knot for so then that you know kind of one thing led to another, and and we were acquired, and then I kind of you know as part of these things, part of the acquisition was that I would stay for two years and help them. I ended up staying three, and yeah, so that was it. So it was a really it was amazing experience. It was there was huge highs and lows. <laughs> you know, from, you know, all the entrepreneurs will tell you, you know, huge highs and lows. There was moments when I thought I was going to lose my mind as a, as a mother of young kids trying to do this, feeling very alone, even though I had a very supportive spouse, but I didn't have a partner. I did it. You know, I was the founder and CEO. There was no co-founder, which I always tell when I coach people now, I'm like, if you, if you can get a co-founder, get a co-founder. Oh, really? <laughs> I do. It's yeah. It's very lonely. Yes. Um, when you're doing it yourself, it's very lonely. And um, so it's, uh, it was a fantastic experience. And I also loved being a part of the knot. A lot of entrepreneurs, when they sell their companies, they're like, I'm done. I'm not yeah. going to, you know, I can't be a part of, I can't be a part of another parent taking care of my kid. Yes. Right? But I loved it because, you know, the ability to run the bump without worrying about making payroll was unbelievable. Like to me, that was pure joy. I had, I had so many more resources and, and the ability to do things with it that I couldn't do, you know, on my own with kind of my small investment pool, uh, you know, of money and cash flow, et cetera. So I had, I had a great time, you know, with that piece of it. And it was really, and it was very important to me to see it secure and doing well. And, you know, I wanted to, leave it in good hands and, and be a part of that process to make that happen. So it's great. I love, I can't tell you the thrill if I'll, I'm at home, I, you know, I hear something on Good Morning America or whatever, <laughs> it's the bump, but they're talking about stuff. I'm like, I just love it. It's so fun. It's, it's like, great. oh my gosh, that's my baby. Is it so weird though, when you see that and you're like, you're not being mentioned at all. It's just this yeah. like known sight. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a little, you know, a little bit, but I, I'm so thrilled at how much it's, grown, you know, I mean, a lot of this growth was without me. So I don't, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like, oh, I'm not getting, you know, my, my just dues or whatever by any means, because the whole reason I did sell it to the knot was because I saw the potential Mm -hmm. that the knot could bring to it. And, and kind of watching that happen is, is really fun. So, but it is funny. People will be like, I saw, I saw the bump, you know, people who know me, I saw the bump where, were you on that broadcast? I'm like, no, (laughs) no. 
I don't have anything really to do with it anymore, except I'm, you know, connected to a lot of people still, but yeah. Yeah. I totally resonate with you saying it's lonely on a much smaller scale, just running this podcast in my, my podcast network. It's like, nobody cares about it like you do. You know what I mean? I have great editors and assistants and and people that help me that are amazing. But like when you're the person that like created something, it's like nobody's like in it with you as much as you are. Right. And no one, no one understands it like you do. Um, And no one feels as passionate as you do. And then also no one's stressing about, like I said before, you can tell this was like, I have PTSD from trying to make payroll. (laughs) No one's stressing with you about, you know, making payroll or, you know, all of these other pieces that come with being an entrepreneur and supporting, you know, people who are working for you and all of these things that are people relying on you. No one's, no one's sharing that load with you if you don't have a partner. So emotionally, it's, I think it takes a big toll. Um, And then add on, you know, mom guilt on top of that and spouse guilt. <laughs> it can be a, you know, it can, it's a roller coaster. That's for sure. How many employees did you have? Um, I think by the time we, we had about 15 employees, okay. um, not including, so maybe 20 all told. We had um, independent contractors working for us too in, in some of the different main cities that we were in. So yeah, probably about 20. Um, back to the book, the boy mom's book. Mm-hmm. What were like some unexpected stories that you read in the book or were you caught off guard at all? I don't think I was caught off guard at all. It was more, I think I was, I, I was very just touched at the different stories that we got um, and the diversity of the stories. So, you know, we, we had moms that have, you know, neurodivergent kids, kids with autism, moms who lost sons, Mm. um, you know, during pregnancy or early um, in their childhood. We have, you know, moms from um, Australia and the United Kingdom, which actually that would, I didn't really necessarily expect that. (laughs) Um, You know, we have military moms, we have moms that struggle um, with alcoholism. We have, you know, just, just the, the amazing, very heartfelt and raw and honest, you know, stories that came out of this. I think that I just was incredibly touched by and that people were really willing. And it's, what it showed me was that how much we want to share our stories yes. and, and, you know, how much we want to just be, be heard about who we are and what we've experienced. Um, that really resonated wholeheartedly. I got, you know, especially since the book has been published, I have, Hey, when's volume two. I want to send, I want to, I have a story. I want to send in my story. I want to show you my story. So that's been really gratifying and, and, you know, trying creating a platform where women feel heard for their stories that may not be your typical stories that you hear, or even, you know, when you're on social media too, there's a lot of, which I love, by the way, you know, humor in motherhood, you know, there's a lot of, you know, my kid, you know, funny memes and, um, but not a lot of those under, you know, you, you can't get underneath it, those kind of things on social media. And so I think it's important to have things out there where it's telling kind of a fuller, bigger story um, about, you know, motherhood and the reality of it and um, how different and raw can look uh, as opposed to a lot of things we just see uh, in the media. For sure. I know. And I, I totally agree with you like the boy mom hashtag it's like it can be so annoying um (laughs) I I do use it for searchability reasons right (laughs) um but you know it's interesting to me because I actually 
my boys are pretty rough and tumble. So uh-huh. I feel like they do fall into that like stereotypical like rough and rowdy boys. But I also think, and I was just talking to someone on Twitter with this about the other day, I think it's the volume of my boys. Like there's four of them, right? Yes. And so like yes. two of them, I think if I plucked them out and they were my only two, my second and uh-huh. my fourth, we might have a fairly calm house. Mm-hmm. But they kind mm-hmm. of like feed off of their oldest brother. Yes. And they jump in. So, yeah, I mean, all my boys are so different. I just think the volume of boys that I have creates that rough and tumble energy. Yes. Well, it absolutely, and they play off each other for sure. I mean, I have half the amount you have. (laughs) And and I do, you know, I'm very aware, like, if it wasn't two boys, I think the dynamic would obviously look very, very different, right, growing up. But my boys, I would say also very rough and tumble super rough and tumble so in some areas very typical but but then in others you know the super rough and tumble but certainly not like my youngest or my oldest you know I don't think he ever played with a car mm. you know like a toy car mm. you know what I mean? so he you know preferred much more kind of cerebral things but he was as rough and tumble as they come I couldn't take him anywhere he'd be like running crazy through shopping malls you know things like that it's so embarrassing I always feel like people are like do you not have like can you not control your children yeah right yeah yeah Uh. I mean but that's also what I loved about this book like there so there's these commonalities right so I you can despite the diverse experiences there's still these commonalities you know that we can all kind of relate to that that happen And, you know, whether it's, you know, having rough and tumble boys, even if they don't necessarily are, you know, play sports all the time, which was my case, right? So my boys, super rough and tumble. Um, They played sports for a little while and then kind of just, you know, lost interest and much more into, you know, other things, music and, and that kind of thing. And I remember going to the beach for the first time with my oldest, who was two and with a friend and her two-year-old boy was like, just digging in the sand, loving it. My two-year-old was like, get me out of here. You know, I I hate this. I I don't want to be in the sand. And, you know, so there's just these, it's, it's different for everybody and every child, you know, like anything, you know, girls or boys. But like I said, I, I think even if you have that very, those, that very typical kind of boy experience, I wanted to kind of get underneath that in these stories. Like, you know, what else are they like? There's so much more right? to that boy. Yes, exactly. There's so much more to that boy. What What else is going on? What else does he do? You know, um, how else are you connecting with him? And we did a lot of prompts on a, on our website when we were collecting essays, you mm. know, to try to get moms to think about, okay, let me go beyond that. You know, I wanted to make sure we didn't get just get stories about, you know, boys peeing all over and not putting them <laughs> toilet seat down right. or whatever, you know, because those are things we, you know, know and joke about. And like I said, th- those are memes about motherhood, except, yes. but I wanted to get underneath that. Um, so, and I, I've been really incredibly pleased with what the essays that did come through that, that really did that. Yeah. I was thinking about it actually today as I was cleaning my shower, I was like cleaning the shower door And I was like, I feel like I walk around my house all day nagging at my boys to like, don't do this. That's too messy. Clean up. Like, if you do this, finish the job, you know, follow through with the job, whatever. Um, Constantly nagging on them to clean and and keep things tidy. But as I was cleaning the shower, I was like, 
I really want to raise kids that are like good roommates and also then like good husbands. Like I do clean more than my husband because I care about the house being cleaner, first of all. Um, and I think it's just my nature. But like he is like all in. Like all I have to do is say, can you please clean that bathroom? It is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Done. You know, and I'm like, I want to raise boys that like know that this is this too, like this cleaning thing is is on them. Like, right. You know, it's also on them. Right. Right. Well, I think if they see their dad doing that, yeah. Um, I think that's I mean, I think you're doing a fantastic job. I think that's that's part of it. I mean, it's back to the modeling and not just talking about it, right? And and what they're seeing, you know, I mem- I grew up with a dad that my dad cooked the turkey every Christmas or, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and my dad my dad was kind of like the the chef and my mm-hmm. dad was my dad cleaned up with my mom afterwards and was you know my dad was the one that like helped me plan my wedding not my mm. mom necessarily you know and and so anyway it, so I grew up with a very even though you know I grew up in a very traditional Italian family Italian American family um but at the same time my dad really emulated you know a, a lot of equality and equity in the marriage with my mom so I grew up expecting that like that was normal to me and so you know I'm I hope I think my brothers you know are good good partners yeah. and spouses because of that yeah know. hey friends a quick break here I want to let you know that I have a patreon page that supports this podcast and all the other podcasts I produce in the Sandy Boy Productions Network. So if you are loving this show and you are looking for a way to get involved and support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-E-I-N. And over there once a month, I record episodes with my husband, Glenn, that gives you kind of a peek into our lives. But this is just a simple way you can support the show. Another simple way you can support this show is if you leave a quick rating interview on iTunes or Spotify. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And I thank you so much if you've already done that. I check in on those ratings and reviews every single day. So again, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, or leave us a quick rating and review if you are enjoying the podcast. All right, back to the show. So I'm super curious. I always say that the ages of my boys, I feel like... So, so what your kids are 10 to 15 years older than mine. I feel like my generation of parenting, you're like a half a generation ahead of me or whatever. Yes. Um, we, I feel lucky because, and you might still be in this bracket as well. You can tell me, I feel like we have seen the after effects of social media damage and things like that where parents of kids that are maybe 25, maybe a little bit older than yours, just didn't know what they didn't know, right? Yeah. Where do you mm-hmm. fall into that? Well, I probably fall more into the the not not yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, you know, my kids, I'm just they the social media thing really exploded right smack in the middle of their you know, impressionable years. Yeah. You know, um, but I think, you know, we all know, we all knew by, you know, just instinct that it was not good for them. You yeah. Know? Think, even though we didn't need, 
we, we don't have the we don't have the data, you know it. So you know we tried to obviously manage, restrict, do you know as much as possible. I think I'm lucky in that my kids did not, you know, they were sort of on social media. I think when they first, you know, as as young teenagers, they thought it was kind of cool, and so they were on it. And and I mean they're still on it as, as far as like Snapchat and and staying in touch with their friends but they didn't get crazy into it where you know they couldn't be without their phones for now there were video games yeah is what is what we battled with yes so we didn't battle with social media as much and and um that i feel fortunate that but we absolutely the battles were all around video gaming and they wanted to play games all the time you know all of that so we had a a lot of issues and conflict to work through around those things. So that was our kryptonite, the video games. That was our kryptonite. Okay. I'm so curious looking back now, like what would you do differently? You know, Lindsay, I know, right. I I don't know. I mean, I honestly, you know, we did the, we did what we thought was right, which was a lot of, you know, try to restrict it a lot. Um, You know, my kids now tell me they used to, they used to sneak (laughs) <laughs> into the computer, you know, get up at night and go play. I had no idea. But better how, playing video games than looking at porn. I guess, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. But um, so, you know, lots of things we, we kind of missed. But, you know, it all turned out okay. And here's the thing I will say. You know, there was there were times when I was like, what are these kids going to do? Like what they're going to grow up and just live in the basement and play video games. <laughs> and that is not the case. Yes. So, they, you know, they, they matured out of it. They, you know, they're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to stay, say they're, they're thriving college students that don't just play video <laughs> games all the time. So that's a word of encouragement yes. for moms out there. Um, but, you know, I don't know, Lindsay, I don't, I don't think we could have done even just with the knowledge that we have. And, you know, we just tried to balance it as best we could. And there were certainly great things about it. And I did like that, a lot of the Minecraft, they could play with their friends. Yes. It was a really cool game, you know, things like that. My kids I didn't mind that Minecraft. at all. Yeah. But it was just the, you know, my kids got, I mean, my oldest, you know, could have played 24 mm-hmm. seven if we'd let them. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, trying to monitor that, but it's like anything else, you know, you've, you've, you've just got to be on top of your kids with kind of what they're doing and help them best manage their, you know, how much time they're giving to different things. But I love this because You know, I do talk to people that are like, you know, this is how you should manage this and that or whatever. But like, I love that what you're saying, like they played a lot of video games and guess what? They're fine. Yeah. They're not fine. They're great. Yes, they're great. And they did play a lot of video games. Let me just say that. Way more than I was comfortable with. Like, absolutely. Um, And yes, yeah, they are. They are fine. So yeah, that's um, high, looking back. I have a group of girlfriends that we've been friends with our through our boys growing up, you know, for years. And we'll sit at happy hours and we'll go. Remember, remember when we thought they just wouldn't even, you know, leave the the, the house yeah. ever because they wanted to play video games. And here they are now, you know, all of them doing great. So um, yeah, it's it's good. Back to social media though, but for adults, I think that that. And I'm probably guilty of this because I am pretty like anti-iPad. Like I, my kids watch a lot of TV, but I've always been pretty much pretty anti like screens in the faces, especially when yeah. we go out to eat or like 
Um, even car rides, like we don't do screens and car rides, things like that. Cause I just want my kids to be bored. I want them to have to just be. And I think social media can make parents, and I'm sorry to anybody listening, if I've ever made you feel like this, they can make parents feel really shitty because they're like, well, her kids don't need screens in the car or if they go to eat, what am you know? And I just think it's kind of like, you have to do what is going to make you feel sane, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's just, it can be helpful to, to see other parents encouraging and like whatnot, but it can also just feel really gross and like frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah. I think anytime you start comparing what you're doing with, yeah. what, right, with what it just, it doesn't lead anywhere positive. And, and you just, like you said, you have to, it's what works for your family and what works for you and what your limits are. I mean, I, you know, you have to be, you have to know what they're looking at, right? I yeah. mean, number one. Yeah. So you have to know what they're looking at. Beyond that, how you how you regulate that, you've got to figure out what works the best for you. Like I said, mine played a lot more video games than I was comfortable with. If I, you know, my looking at social media at the time or whatever, the parenting, you know, oh, don't let them pay, play more than one hour a day. Like, what okay, is that? Well, one hour goes you. by, like, so quick. Oh, <laughs> my kids were paying way more than one hour a day. Oh yeah. So I could have felt super crappy about that. And I'm sure I did at times like, Oh, I'm a terrible mother. I'm letting them do this. You know, it's making them even more addicted. They just wanted even more blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I just, I also had to do what made sense for us. And, and, and also what, you know, I didn't want to be in constant conflict with my kids. Right. I didn't want to. So I, I wanted to set boundaries, but that didn't, wasn't where I was constantly get off, get off the computer, get off the computer, get off the computer, get off the computer. You're it's restricting. exhausting. You're restriction. Yes. It's exhausting. So I'm on the other side. So I just want to say we made it and it's all good. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Her kids played a lot of, I was going to say too many. I'm just saying a lot of video games. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and I was frantic about it. So Oh, you know, we have a really great episode on this podcast if you're new here, and it is with Ash Brandon, and Ash really teaches about actually how video games can be really great and mm. how we can work to like work with our kids with the video games to make it so that it's a healthy experience for the family and it's like not all bad and just yes. ways to communicate and set boundaries and yes. so that it doesn't feel like you're constantly being like nagging right like you can make it a healthy thing it's just how you approach it and then communicate with your kids about it well so see so I think that is amazing and so you know talking about the generations of parenting like we didn't I didn't have that mm -hmm. like how amazing for you now as you're having boys that are you know getting into this this age group that have resources like that to talk about okay how do you make this a healthy experience how do you make this not you know because all the only messages I heard was that this is terrible. It's Don't let much. him on it. Mm. Don't let him do it. This is ruining the America. You know, like all these things. And, you know, my oldest, who was the one that was really our, our, you know, our, our biggest issue with, with it. Um, you know, he's a film major, mm. you know, so hindsight, I know like all of this visual, you know, had, had a great effect on him. Yeah. I don't know. So I see, I see the connection and I see why he was so drawn to it. And I see that there's reasons other than just, you know, he's, he's a video game addict and will never, you know, will never do anything or whatever you want to say, you know. 
Totally. So, yeah. Totally. I love that thought so much. Um, I know. And I am still, I say the wrong things all the time. I'm like, get off, you're addicted, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't say oh, that. Yeah. But I say that, I say stuff because it just flies out of my mouth. Yeah. And then no, I, Lizzie, and then I, I apologize. All those things. Yeah. All those things. I mean, everything. We did every, we took the keyboard away. I mean, <laughs> we, did, we did everything. So, and like I said at the beginning of this, of this podcast, I'm a yeller. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I grew up, I'm a yeller. I'm from an Italian family. We're a yellers. I'm a yeller. I would always be yelling. And, and my poor kids are like, they always say, they're like, yeah, I remember you yelled a lot. <laughs> I know my kids are going to say that I as know. much as I try. Cause you know what? With the whole like positive parenting, gentle parenting movement that I'm way more immersed in than you probably were. I try so hard and then it doesn't work and I flip. Yeah. I'm like, I no. tried. I did all the things. Now we're all going down. <laughs> right. Now we're all going right. And I actually, my boy, my oldest is a yeller also. And and my youngest is not. And I have to say that I think it's much more healthy. I think my yeller gets it out. Oh, gets it out. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm serious. And, and I mean, I'm not trying to excuse yelling. <laughs> But, you know, I don't stuff things down. Yeah. He doesn't stuff things down. We get it out and we're all good. And Move I would on. say my husband and my youngest one, they stuff it down. They don't talk about it or yell about it. And they're not. And, and then it comes out in other ways. Yes. So. Just being mad or like silent or angry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, that, that's my, that's my defense for, that's my yelling defense. <laughs> Move it's over healthy. gentle parenting. <laughs> right. No, there's there's a way to do to do it your own way and and have yes. have a little bit of both in there, but cuz some of that gentle parenting is has been super helpful for me and yes. just for my own peace of mind and my own like sanity. Um yeah. but sometimes honestly, my kids just need to hear it a little bit louder. <laughs> yeah. I would say I am I am now that my kids once my kids got high school age, I became I became more gentle mom. Yeah, yeah. Like more, I became more gentle, like trying to put that into play. And especially now that they're in college, like it's very easy to be gentle. Yeah, yeah. So I am, I'm very, I, I, yeah. And I love all of that, that for sure. And I do think back and think, ooh, wow. (laughs) That was not part of my repertoire early on. I didn't even, actually, my oldest is 10 and I didn't really even start paying attention to that until he was probably four and I'd already yeah, but, gone yeah. every which way though. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to handle a toddler and those, you know, emotions yeah. and all that. I've learned a lot since then. Like, okay, I don't need to flip my lid here. He's like literally just being three. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. And we, you know, I don't know, Lindsay. I mean, I think you can, we all don't know what we're doing when we, when we're starting out. Like we don't know what we're doing. I I mean, I'm, we don't know what we're doing day to day. Like you never know what's going to hit you as, as a parent. And and I love, I think all of these things, you know, gentle parenting, all of that are amazing. Um, and at the end of the day, you just have to ingest those and, and, and figure out what works right for, for, for who you, who you are as mom um, and your child, right? Your child. I mean, that, that looks, you know, every everyone's child is different and responds differently to different things. And so, um, that's why, you know, mom friends are the best and, uh, <laughs> you know, being able to talk to them and just to have that kind of support and camaraderie, I think is, um, you know, essential. For sure. There is nothing that gives me more comfort than seeing someone else's kid melting down. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> like, yeah. I am not alone. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Um, yeah. All right, Kara, what, what is um, one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, wow. Well, there's lots of things I haven't done that I'd love to do. Um, I think professionally, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe I'd love to do it. I mean, this is just coming out of kind of this experience, so it's not necessarily a, but I'd love to do another book, mm. I think, whether it's uh, kind of volume two or it's a different look at um, a different a different perspective, if it's about daughters and, and not necessarily, because I don't have a daughter, but I, I am a daughter. Mm. And so I'm dealing with, um, you know, aging parents, responsibilities around that and how that plays out in a family dynamic of sons and daughters (laughs) right so there's a lot that's very interesting so I do I I feel like I have some you know more to write and and more to do around around that I think so personally I have personally I I this has been a goal forever and I want to make it happen I want to go to language school in Italy Mm. for a, a month or so Nice. And immerse myself, immerse myself in Italian. So that's one of my goals. I don't know when that's ever going to happen, but um, that and and whitewater rafting down the Colorado. Perfect. Two things I have not done yet. Um, just a side note with your comment about the aging parents and you know, like the daughters and sons. That's kind of something I think about sometimes, like as Absolutely. having all boys. <laughs> And well, you should, Lindsay. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, I even think about it when my mother-in-law passed away. Not that my husband wasn't involved or his heart wasn't involved, but, like, the sisters were there a lot more. They yeah. were physically closer. Like, they lived closer. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been different if we lived in the same town or, like, even an hour away. We were two hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think women might be more apt to taking on those caretaker roles. Right. And it's, it's been fascinating for me to, to, as you know, my age group and my peer group are deal with this and watching my friends and the dynamics in their family with their siblings and, and with mine, with, you know, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And again, we're, we're still a generation, you know, we were raised with a generation where there was still a lot of you know, man up and yeah, don't cry and da la la. So, so what that plays out, how that plays itself out in kind of in this stage in our lives versus right, what hopefully our boys and how we're raising them um, is going to be different. So by the time we need, yes. you know, help, help, it's not going to be, you know, the fact that we don't have daughters is not going to be an issue. Yes, I even think yeah. about that with just like calling. Like, I talk to my parents way more than my my husband ever, you know, did or, or does. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That is, you know, yeah. My, when we first got married, I remember my husband's like, you talk to your mom every day. (laughs) Like, yeah, you don't. (laughs) And I actually don't talk to my mom every day. I go through phases where we talk like pretty frequently, but I would say on average, I talk to my mom like two to three times a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. might be kind of less than than most women. I don't know. It just depends on your upbringing. But yeah. But my mom is also not a girly girl, not an over talker, not an emotional person. Like yeah. she's like, what's the business? You know? Right. Right. And I think that does it. It, uh, it also changes in different stages of your life. Yeah. You know? I think um, 
I didn't start talking to my mom every day until I had kids, really. Yeah. Um, or, well, till I got married, honestly. I think I got married and then I was like, I really need to talk to my mom. Yes. Oh, <laughs> when you have kids. Yeah, all the questions. Um, yeah. All right. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Okay, the most recent book. Well, I just finished... I just finished Lessons in Chemistry. Okay. Which is this great new book. I loved it. It was really it was really fun. It was about a a woman who's a she's a chemist and she ends up doing a cooking show that's very much kind of based around the chemistry of cooking. Um so anyway, that was really fun. But then I also just reread I do this a lot, which I, I love because reading is my reading is everything <laughs> Reading is my escape, it's my it's my recharge, it's my most favorite thing to do in the world. Um, I reread Island of the Blue Dolphins, which was my favorite book when I was in grade school. It was my son's, my kid's favorite book. And a lot of times I just like to reread kids, you know, books that I loved as a child that are, are young person um, just to see what else I see in it. And that, and that was super, it's by Scott O'Dell. I don't know if you've heard about it, if you know about it, if you read it when you were little. I don't know it. It's called The Island of the Blue Dolphins. Anyway, it's about this, uh, indigenous woman who as a child gets left on an island um when her whole when in the early 1800s and it's based on a true story um but anyway it was great wow okay yeah and it's elementary reading oh it's elementary reading it's third grade it's by scott odell he's a very uh famous he also wrote seeing down the moon which is another children's book you know second third grade-ish yeah I'm gonna it's get really that cool. for Good my look son. For, it for your kids, yeah, I'm gonna get that for him. He needs he needs to start reading more. <laughs> we won't get well, into that. I was, yes. Yeah, so my youngest, it was his favorite book, and I was thrilled because he was not much of a reader oh, either. So, oh, yeah. good. Um, all right, what's your last message to leave with the audience today? Um, let's see. How about you're doing an amazing job? You're doing an amazing job. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And um, you know. Just keep keep on doing it. I think we don't we we don't get enough encouragement in life. I think um, you know. I think we as well specifically as moms. You know, we're so busy taking care of others, taking care. You know, comparing ourselves to what we should be or how we should be doing things. And uh, the reality is, if I had you know, I would love for someone to tell me when I was freaking out about my video game addicted son, <laughs> like, don't worry, you're doing a great job. So um, yeah. That's how, that's what I'll leave everyone with. I love that. You're doing a great job, everybody. That's right. Hey friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Kara, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your story. Friends, check out our sponsors, PrepDish, PrepDish.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, to get two weeks totally free to check out what they have to offer and also check out Punk Post, punkpost.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y and the number three for $3 off your first order. Go send someone a card, send someone some love. It feels so good to get snail mail. Uh, friends, you can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can also find this podcast why is everyone yelling and learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. I'm so grateful you're here today. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on why is everyone yelling?